This is Comatose, a weekly collection of stories, anecdotes, observations, and poetry. Our complete podcast backlog can be found over at comapod.com. Right now, you are listening to episode number 153. It was a time of upheaval. Multiple defining events, not only in the United States, but all over the world. The presidency of Jimmy Carter still has lessons for us today. His words, his assuredness in fulfilling his promises, were all criticized at the time and continue to be topics of discussion. And so today, we thought we'd take a look back, an excerpt from one of President Carter's speeches. Here's President Jimmy Carter and Crisis of Confidence. We often think of conservation only in terms of sacrifice. In fact, it is a most painless and immediate way of rebuilding our nation's strength. Every gallon of oil each one of us saves is a new form of production. It gives us more freedom, more confidence, that much more control of our own lives. So the solution of our energy crisis can also help us to conquer the crisis of the spirit in our country. It can rekindle our sense of unity, our confidence in the future and give our nation and all of us individually a new sense of purpose. You know we can do it. We have the natural resources. We have more oil in our shale alone than several Saudi Arabias. We have more coal than any nation on earth. We have the world's highest level of technology. We have the most skilled workforce with innovative genius. And I firmly believe that we have the national will to win this war. I do not promise you that this struggle for freedom will be easy. I do not promise a quick way out of our nation's problems. When the truth is that the only way out is an all-out effort. What I do promise you is that I will lead our fight and I will enforce fairness in our struggle and I will ensure honesty and above all, I will act. We can manage the short-term shortages more effectively and we will, but there are no short-term solutions to our long-range problems. There is simply no way to avoid sacrifice. Twelve hours from now, I will speak again in Kansas City to expand and to explain further our energy program. Just as a search for solutions to our energy shortages has now led us to a new awareness of our nation's deeper problems, so our willingness to work for those solutions in energy can strengthen us to attack those deeper problems. I will continue to travel this country to hear the people of America. You can help me to develop a national agenda for the 1980s. I will listen and I will act. We will act together. These were the promises I made three years ago and I intend to keep them. Little by little, 
we can and we must rebuild our confidence. We can spend until we empty our treasuries, and we may summon all the wonders of science, but we can succeed only if we tap our greatest resources, America's people, America's values, and America's confidence. I have seen the strength of America in the inexhaustible resources of our people. In the days to come, let us renew that strength in the struggle for an energy secure nation. In closing, let me say this. I will do my best, but I will not do it alone. Let your voice be heard. Whenever you have a chance, say something good about our country. With God's help and for the sake of our nation, it is time for us to join hands in America. Let us commit ourselves together to a rebirth of the American spirit, working together with our common faith. We cannot fail. Thank you and good night. Next up, we bring you a dose of midnight poetry. Today from Vacha Lindsay. Lindsay grew up in Illinois, and while his life and work brought him fame and won him honors, his later life was full of disappointment. But we remember him still today as the first of poets that brought a sense of melody into their work. So here now, performed by Algie Pug, is Vachel Lindsay's Conscientious Deacon. Black cats, grey cats, green cats, meow, chasing the deacon who stole the cow. He runs and tumbles, he tumbles and runs. He sees big white men with dogs and guns. He falls down flat, he turns to stare. No cats, no dogs, and no men there. But black shadows, grey shadows, green shadows come. The wind says, meow, and the rain says, hum. He goes straight home, he dreams all night, he howls, he puts his wife in a fright. Black devils, grey devils, green devils shine, yes, by Sambo, and the fire looks fine. Cat devils, dog devils, cow devils grin, yes, by Sambo, and the fire rolls in. And so next day, to avoid the worst, he takes that cow where he found her first. We close out today with a voice we haven't heard on Comatose in too long. Basil B, aka Pro Antithesis, is back with a vengeance and conviction, his unique take on politics of today. Here is Basil with Entitlement, Propaganda and Situational Ethics. I don't speak as much as I used to, and it's not because I don't care anymore, I don't know what's going on, or because I have nothing new or substantial to say. 
I don't speak much these days because I'm usually disgusted to the point where the sheer gravity of my contempt for this racist society prevents any spoken words from escaping. Most of the time I just shake my head. The idea of white supremacy and by extension black inferiority is a lie. The main source of the lies and propaganda of white supremacy is, of course, the media. This extends far beyond the joke known as Fox News. This covers the media from all points of the political spectrum and it even seeps down into the local paper. This is why there is such a large push to indiscriminately censor legitimate grassroots journalism as if it's fake news and to destroy net neutrality. Lying to people is infinitely more difficult if you do not have a monopoly on the information and media people are exposed to. But I digress. My point is there is more than one way to tell the same lie and I saw an example of this this morning. I am a black man who literally lives down the street from Orlando. I saw an article from the Orlando Sentinel titled, Orlando, Workplace Shooting. Who is gunman John Newman Jr.? I read the article and I saw him described with such terms as stressed, nice, disgruntled, and someone who had a quote, negative relationship with one of his victims. And I also saw this quote, quote, he left about eight people inside the large warehouse uninjured and even pointing his gun to a, at a new employee, ordering her to run when she walked into the business. End quote. You might think this guy's a saint after reading that spin. Now mind you, this white man murdered five innocent people. But if you read the article without clicking any links, you might not realize that he murdered five people. Why? Because the article doesn't explicitly mention that, and that's no accident. This is the shit I'm talking about right here. I've already given you the title of the article. Search and see for yourself how the media is attempting to humanize and synthesize with this monster. The media treats white mass murderers better than black victims. Full stop. Ask Trayvon before you accuse me of hyperbole. Or Demir Rice. Or Eric Garner. Or Oscar Grant. Or Sandra Blonde. Newman losing his job this April was one of the many excuses the article gave that bastard. Now look, I have a job now, but I've lost my previous job in April too. Furthermore, I lost the job I had before that in October of last year, and I had about four months of unemployment between the two previous jobs. And as a black man, I had to run faster, jump higher, and be ever resourceful just to get my foot in the door. Hell, I've, I've even managed to get seven IT certifications during the time that I was unemployed and I'm still struggling. But I'm not an entitled, cowardly douchebag who gets a gun and murders people simply because I've been fired. If I pull that stunt, then you could bet your ass that the same white supremacist media wouldn't be betraying me as someone who simply buckled under the presence of life or someone who otherwise worthy of, of sympathy and the media sure as hell wouldn't gather my friends so that they could say how nice I was or how hard I had it and no one would use possible mental illness to mitigate my crimes 
the white supremacist media would demonize me. After all, that's what you do to anyone who murders five innocent people and have a criminal history that goes back to 1995, right? And that was episode number 153. To find more episodes, you can always search for Comatose Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or whatever your podcatching software may be, or you can visit our website, comapod.com. That's C-O-M-A-P-O-D.com. We're also on The Aspect Heavy, where you'll find our show as well as a few other pretty interesting programs over at aspectheavy.com. The wonderful thing about Comatose is that we're completely free. But if you feel you gained something from today's episode, we'd appreciate immensely if you left us a simple five-star rating or a bite-sized review over on Apple Podcasts by searching for Comatose Podcast. And of course, you can throw cash our way anytime over at comapod.com by hitting that shiny PayPal button at the top of the page. Find us also on Patreon, where we have some exclusive content for our supporters, patreon.com slash comatosepodcast. And of course, find us on Twitter at comatosepodcast. Folks, we want to thank you very much for listening. This is Comatose, and we will be back next week.